Hello everyone, rare ones, and welcome to series three of the Rare Birds podcast. So this series is actually a little bit different to the others because in the previous series, part one on African students in China, part two on broken world thinking, I was interviewing different individuals one-on-one. This series is a little bit different in that it's collaborative. What I wanted to do here and actually what I would like to do moving forward as much as possible is invite experts onto the platform and have them lead the conversation um, on, in, on an area that they are known for in their specialty area. So to kick this off, I will be working with Kenroy George, who is a Grenadian. He lived in New York for a while, but he is from Grenada. And you will learn that Kenroy has got his his fangs in a little bit of everything. Um, he travels all over the world. Uh, at the point of um, recording the podcast, he was in Belgrade. He's also involved in projects in Africa. He's all over the place. So um, he and I collaborated on this podcast. I invited him on the podcast. And then he then invited some of his friends. And my role is a bit more of the sidekick. I participate in the conversation, but Kenroy actually drives the conversation forward. So why have I decided to do this type of collaboration? Because number one, I wanted to do something different. I've gotten tired with and bored with just doing one-on-one interviews. As much as I love them, I wanted to do something different. Number two, I want to use my platform to um, help other people to raise the profile and the brand of other people and other projects. And number three, I think it's just a, a way for for myself to learn new things by listening to others. I think it diversifies the platform in that you get to hear other perspectives and all around it's just a win-win. So that's what I'm doing with this podcast and this series rather, and you will start to see a little bit more of this as time goes by and I hope you enjoy it. And if you podcast yourself, it'll be great if you could do something similar as well. I think you would enjoy it too. It's, it's really cool. So, um, This particular series is called Digital Transformation for Pan-African Entrepreneurs. And in the first podcast, it's one of, we've got three conversations. There will be some more, but this is is the first part. So first, you're going to hear a conversation between myself and Kenroy. Then you're going to hear a conversation between Kenroy, myself, and Melissa, who's based in Jamaica, and then Kenroy, myself, and Johns, who is from St. Lucia, but currently living in, is it Croatia or Serbia? Uh, Yeah, in in the Balkans. Um, So I hope you enjoy it. We will try to bring you part two, which will be the sort of Caribbean African side. Um, We're currently working on that, but this is the first part, and I hope you like it. So that's it. All right, then. Bye for now. Hey, Kenroy. Welcome to the River. Hey, Joanne. How are you? Right. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Awesome. Awesome. All the way from Belgrade. <laughs> yeah, just um, traveling around Europe for a little bit. Uh, I've been bouncing around since September of last year, and um, it's been great. Learning a lot, talking to a lot of people, and... Um, just seeing how uh, technology is used in different places and how I can utilize those in projects that I'm working on, which is primarily carry right now. And that's uh, focused on identity as a service, catering to governments and 
ways that they can make you know interacting with their citizens a lot easier. So whether it's um, issuing a universal ID with an ID card that can now be tied to a lot of the services that they offer within government uh, and unifying that whole thing. Because right now a lot of what we do in the region are paper-based and they require a lot of time to get you know information from one place to the other. So we're just looking to see how we can uh, simplify those for both governments and citizens. Nice. So Kenroy, um, that was great. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, you're from Grenada, yes? Yes, born and raised. Okay. And then I moved to New York when I was 10, stayed yes, there for yes. 20 years, really got into uh, develop, like design development while I was there worked for a couple startups and really just dug into the whole community. Um, while doing that, I've always like asked myself, like, how can I take what I've learned here and sort of bring it back either to, you know, Grenada and offer, you know, those services there. Um, and that's still what I'm, I'm doing now. Um, there's still some, you know, some ways we have to go in um, getting everyone up to speed on, you know, what technology can do. And, we're focusing on how we can educate people on what they can utilize said technology for. And mm. um, people are catching on, as we can see a lot of you know, social media usage, um, you know, with WhatsApp, Instagram, and so on. We're getting, we're getting people you know, using those. Um, and now we're just trying to see how we can um, get them to see, you know, apply similar thinking of using technology for, for government services, um, things that they do in their day-to-day -day lives that they normally would not uh, think they can apply it to. And, mm. you know, because, you know, you, for example, you spend a lot of time, say, um, applying for a loan for a house. And um, right now, a lot of um, the land deeds are still paper-based. So if you need to do anything with that, you have to go to a government office, probably spend a couple hours them searching through it. You might have to pay a lawyer to even do the search for you. And mm -hmm. that takes time and money. So we're looking at mm -hmm. things like this and saying, okay, well, if I go to apply for a loan now, you know, do I have to get a lawyer involved? Or I can just say, well, I can whip out my phone. I have all my records digitally on my phone. Um, I can share them with the bank. They can review them. Um, and as we know, like any sort of loan is heavily paper-based. So you have to print out all of these documents. Um, mm -hmm. It may take it may take you a while to gather them, whether you have to go up to like, you know, we don't really have a credit system in Grenada. So mm. you have to look at, well, like, how do you prove that? And um, a lot of it, you know, you have to get some collateral that you have to put up, whether it's um, some land that your family owns and those are usually hidden away somewhere under someone's bed or completely <laughs> lost. Yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. trying to find ways to simplify those processes and, um, make people's lives simpler, just utilizing technology in, in much more productive ways, so. Right, and that is such a good segue into what, what we're doing with this series of, or I should say what you're doing with this series of podcasts. So would you like to tell everybody about the collaboration and what's happening so, in this so series? Yeah. <laughs> So we, Joanne approached me and, um, you know, we've had some conversations around what I'm doing um, 
in the space and technology and sort of focus within the Pan-African context. Um, so looking at what's being done in Africa, in the Caribbean, um, and how we're you know using technology to, to improve lives of, of, of many. And you know we'll be interviewing a few uh, individuals who are doing things within the space and trying to get a feel for like how they got into it, what inspired them to, to really want to, to dig into it because the region it, it's difficult to to get anything like this rolling so you know it's it's a it's a long commitment and sometimes it's a lonely road um you know dealing with governments and like getting them to to see the value and changing policies sometimes to get those things implemented so we wanted to see what others you know what their experiences were like um and hopefully you can gain some inspiration from from what they're working on and maybe you might want to start your own project within the space as well yeah definitely and i i quite like the idea of doing a collaborative podcast i think that um i was just getting bored with myself to be honest <laughs> doing one-on-one interviews and i thought this has got to be more interesting so I like the idea of, of collaborating and, and, you know, I'm so grateful to you. You said yes. And having you, because this is your space, this is your thing. I mean, you're obviously the expert. So being able to to work with you and learn from you and, and, and hear the conversations and be a part of them as well has been really great. So I feel like I've learned a lot and I think um, the audience will, will learn a lot as well. So it's all about adding value to the listening audience. And like you said, motivating and inspiring others to to do things as well. No, absolutely. Um, and even for me, sometimes, you know, you look around the industry and you're trying to find, um, you know, people that look like you doing similar things. Um, mm. You know, for me, when you're, when you're in, um, in some companies, you look around and you're like, you're probably the only one. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah. It, yep. it, I wouldn't say it's lonely um, because this is always something that I wanted to do and um, it's never really something that bothered me so much. Um, mm. So, you know, always loved what I've done. Uh, I went for it no matter where it is. It's not something that sort of kept there. But every, you know, throughout the whole process, you've sort of just looked around and you look at the projects that people are building. Um, and you're like, oh, man, like if we took 10% of what we're doing here, the, the brain power and just applied it, you know, around the world, like, what can we achieve? So that was, like, yeah. always sitting in my head of, like, we can really do a lot with, you know, very little in certain in certain parts of the world. Um, but a lot of it is really concentrated um, in certain areas, um, you know, whether it's Silicon Valley, in New York, um, around mm. media. Um, mm. So, yeah, just, like, taking that, those, you know, that thinking and applying it to other places around the world. Um, again, for me, primarily the Caribbean, Africa, and um, really just um, trying to help where we can. Yeah, and one thing you learn when you from doing podcasts like this and just from being a part of different networks is that there are a lot of people who are working silently in their own spaces, and it creates these silos. And it's nice to get lots of different people together who are working on the same thing, you know, to share ideas and to potentially collaborate. And then you realize, oh, you're not the only one. There are a lot of other people doing exactly what you're doing and trying to solve um, a similar problem. So it's nice to to be able to bring um, people together, like you said, 
sometimes you see, sometimes you think you're the only one, but you're not. There's loads of others like you operating in their own space. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, getting getting the conversation started and, you know, seeing what people are working on, um, you know, maybe someone might have a problem that you're dealing with now and they can shed some light on it. So just, you know, connecting people, uh, opening them up to the idea of talking about what they're working on, um, mm. because then they and to, you know, keep it cloak and dagger. And, you know, we work yeah. through it. Uh, you know, someone might have dealt with the problem that you've dealt with a long time ago and you're just trying mm. to battle it. So just changing the mindset around sharing information and just collaborating on doing it. It's, it's a small it's a small market and the more information you have and the more you can sort of learn from others, uh, it, it always brings value to what you're doing. And maybe you might know something that someone else can learn from uh, that you're working on. So. Just keeping that conversation open and just sharing what you know. Yeah, and the series is titled Digital Transformation for Pan-African Entrepreneurs. And I think one of the things I've I've recognized from, from the series is that Pan-African entrepreneurs have their own unique set of challenges <laughs> um, that go beyond Silicon Valley and beyond, you know, all the other, the, the major tech hubs, I guess, Silicon Valley and even here in China, they're very unique challenges that I guess only they they can understand. So it's nice to hear them talk about those challenges and potentially find solutions and ways to circumvent those challenges as well. That is definitely true. And speaking to you know, it, it might not even be technology based. It might just be culture and how people see technology, or you know, it might be some superstition that people um, have <laughs> that from, from utilizing your service. Um, you know, it might just be uh, government officials. You're trying to sell them on a new idea, but they don't necessarily have the technical background to really understand it, or someone on their team that can explain it to them in a very simple way that they, you know, they can go, okay, I get it. I see where this fits into what we're trying to do. And then we can sort of adopt that. So there, there are problems, um, but we try not to lead with those problems because a lot of people know what those problems are, but mm. we're just trying to bring solutions that people can say, okay, all right. Um, now we can like really do the work to make uh, that change that we're, you know, we're, we're trying to bring about. So, um, definitely more solutions oriented than just, you know, discussing the problems because we know they're numerous, but we just yeah. want to change around what can be done. And I mean, them. some of the problems can be as simple as you just don't have consistent electricity for three, four hours to run your business. <laughs> it could be that basic, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can't accept digital yeah. payments. <laughs> Yeah, there's uh, so much. But I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, is, for uh, sure. And superstition and culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of entrepreneurs are like, well, I have customers who are in the US, but they have a hard time sending me money or it takes days or even weeks to get to me. Um, and that as a, you know, a small entrepreneur can be deadly if you're just trying to like get off the ground or, you know, support mm -hmm. yourself and end the business. Um, 
so there, there are a lot of things that, um, you know, coming from the U.S., it's, it's, it's dead simple. Like, we have the infrastructure, but then you, mm. you leave, you go to the, like, just sending, just sending, for example, just sending a payment from one bank to the other, that is a headache. Um, mm. You know, and talking to bank, like, people working in the banks, sending a transfer from one bank to the other, someone physically has to cut a check and carry mm. it over to the next bank. In order to wow. transfer, wow, Jesus. So, <laughs> so yeah, those are like Mm-mm. problems that we're looking at, and we're trying to find um, solutions to them. And you know, there are projects that are coming online that hope to address those. For example, you know, we have the Eastern Caribbean Central Bank is trying to issue its own digital currency. Um, so now you can send money digitally from, you know, to your friends, your family. Um, whether you're on the island or off, you can easily transfer money. So there are some uh, solutions that are coming online, and we just want to build um, awareness of them as well. So um, it just goes back to that information sharing of like things are interesting, things are happening, but sometimes you might not be open to talking about them, and you know people just wouldn't hear about it. So there, there are a few things we're trying to trying to address, and hopefully we could get some solutions around this yes it was definitely not it wasn't problem driven that's for sure i like that you say that you highlighted that it was definitely solutions driven i mean some of the times we did have to discuss the problems but it's really about uh driving solutions and i do like that this is Car- that it was caribbean led because i feel like we don't um at least I mean, I know there are a lot of people, again, doing things in their own silos, you know, somebody from Jamaica doing this and somebody from Trinidad doing that. But I like that we were able to bring, like you and I are from the Caribbean and we were able to bring other Caribbean people together and just people from the diaspora generally, which is really nice because you don't see too much of that. So that was really great. Absolutely. Um, And yeah, I mean, we have a lot of smart people in the region. Um, And the thing we have to be mindful is that if ultimately, if we don't create the environment for them to, to flourish, they will seek out greener pastures elsewhere. And we know we know that's a problem. Like we train a lot of people in the region, um, we give them scholarships, um, but we just don't have the infrastructure for them to say, "Well, I'll come back and offer my, you know, my 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 skills." Like here is what I know. Um, mm. I would love to do this, but. Uh, you know, we, we, we sort of make it difficult for someone who wants to come back and offer that. Um, mm. we, what, how can we change that? I'm, I, I don't have the, the answer, but um, there are a lot of things that we could do, like just the thinking around it, um, you know, thinking of like how we, like what we train people for. Like if we're, if we're going to train you know, a lot of doctors, then we want to make sure that when they are done training, that they can find a good job at a hospital somewhere that pays well, um, mm. and they have the right tools to do what they need to do. Um, and mm. I guess that you know, it's now think how can we apply that to a lot of the other things that we train people for. So um, whether it's technology, like what um, what jobs are going to be available for them after they finish, you know, four years of college and they want to like come back and offer that skills? Are we are we making it easy for them to start um, companies around what they're interested in? Um, are we um, offering the sort of funding that they would need 
for you know a start a small company um, because applying for a bank loan for a tech company in the region it's very difficult unless you have someone who is forward thinking within the banking uh, system that can say okay we see the value we understand how to assess the risk of this company um, and we can help you with you know here's here's what we, you know we can structure a loan that can be beneficial to you and where it's not going to sort of kill your business before you get that traction so like getting getting into those under like getting people that understand those sort of uh situations will be vital in sort of creating the environment for entrepreneurs to sort of flourish and if we can make that environment then a lot of the, the problems that we have can be solved locally without you know someone saying oh well um, you know i've tried i've given up i'm just going to go get a job in some large company in you know the us or in the uk and just say you know screw it uh so yeah just building that environment being mindful of the struggles that an entrepreneur has and just creating it the environment that they can really offer the solutions that we so dearly need in that region yeah definitely i mean case in point there was when when there was a point when we did the interview with Johns and all three of us Caribbean people from three different Caribbean countries and none of us were back home. <laughs> Talk <laughs> about brain drain, right? Oh my god. Yeah, and you know we all <laughs> we all have that story of like we tried, you know. Um, but I think something that ties it all is that we all realize that there's some sort of like obsession with suffer porn we like we like to see you suffer through a problem and then offer our help after you've given up or you're like oh you've given up it's too early you know why did you give up like we know entrepreneurship is hard but you know that's something we understand inherently as entrepreneurs it's you know it's not going to be easy but um <laughs> if if you're not getting the support or you know that you need to flourish and then after you shut it down, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, we really wanted to support you. But the time you were there, we didn't really offer that support to, like, get you to stay. Um, it's a little bit disheartening. Um, yeah. You know, and after a while, you just kind of just say, <laughs> I'm done. I'm, I'm just going to move on somewhere else. Um, and it, it's a very common story. Like, you, you speak to a lot of people who come back. You know, I know a couple, actually. They, they made their money elsewhere and they wanted to come back home and say, well, you know, what can I do to, to help? And mm. the red tape they might run through and the, the, the risks they, you know, I wouldn't say risk, but the, the, the situations they might try to, to offer, like get into, it's just, they do not want to stick around. <laughs> they don't stick around very long. Um, so it, I guess, yeah, it comes back to just understanding the environment and like building that foundation so someone could come back and offer, whether it's financial support, um, knowledge-based support, mentorship around, you know, what they know. And once they have those infrastructures in place, it's a lot easier, I mean, um, for them to offer assistance. I mean, we have an amazing diaspora of people around the world that we can tap into. And mm. rarely, you know, look at that as a resource that we can utilize. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who want to help that are over, you know, that are in the UK and US or, you know, sometimes in China. And they have mm -hmm. access 
to these great you know knowledge bases, but the they don't really have either an outlet or some sort of institution that they can you know channel that through. So it makes it really right. difficult to say, well, okay, I'm going to come back. I'm going to you know invest a couple um, you know a couple hundred thousand dollars here um, to do this. Um, it's just not there yet. Um, yeah. And, you know, those are some areas that we can, you know, focus on building. Um, yeah. yeah, just into that diaspora, man, because they have, they have the resources, they're willing to help, they, they can help, you know, even if they're far, far away. Um, but we yeah. just have to be able to use, utilize it in a smart way to, to help local development. Yeah, the diaspora is a huge untapped resource not just in the caribbean but around the world i mean just all developing countries when you look at the fact that so many developing countries around the world are their economies are remain um i guess you can say are buoyant or are prompted up by remittances i mean <laughs> jesus that alone you know in the caribbean dominican republic jamaica haiti these countries, I mean, I was looking at the stats at one time. I think they're like some of the highest in the world in terms of remittances, not just in the Caribbean, but in the world. Yeah, Haiti, Dominican Republic, and Jamaica. So, um, yeah, and then looking at South Asia, the way the the diaspora um, invests in certain, like in India, for example. So I think the diaspora has a lot of potential, and the Caribbean can do, as a region, can do a lot better uh, in terms of tapping into that potential. I mean, there are a lot of very clever Caribbean people around the world contributing to other people's economies. They're hearing a lot of Caribbean people are in China. I've met so many Caribbean people in China, um, not just as students, but working as professionals, running businesses, obviously in the UK, in the US, in, the Australia, in Australia. Caribbean people are everywhere and they do quite well wherever they go, you know? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, we, we know they're there, they're doing an amazing job elsewhere, and, you know, um, we just want to, I mean, again, the Caribbean is an amazing place. Like, you're there, and it's, it's, it's paradise. We all know it's paradise. Um, you know, and a lot of people say, well, okay, do you want to really change the culture where it's like people are laid back and um, they just want to chill? You know, but you could be laid back and also have a very well-functioning economy to, like, make mm. that, you know, that laid-back life a lot nicer. You know, like, it's good when you can be chill, laid-back, and you know, well, you know, my family's taken care of, you know, for generations to come. Um, we have bustling businesses. Entrepreneurs are, like, doing their thing. And they're taking advantage of the opportunities that are there, you know, like around tourism or like agriculture. Like we have a lot of potential that we can tap into while still being comfortable, you know. Um, and mm. you don't have the crazy work ethic that, you know, say an American uh, culture would sort of share. Mm -hmm. You can still put in the work, um, you know, very focused work. You do what you have to and then. You enjoy everything else that the Caribbean has to offer. So we're not like, yeah, you work yourself to death. And we're not really trying to push that. We're just saying there's a lot of opportunities. We can make it very comfortable for someone who sees an opportunity. They go for it. And, you know, we all benefit from that. You know, like government benefit from 
having a lot more companies who are making revenue, they now increase their revenue that they can then reinvest into whether it's education or, you know, even more funds for entrepreneurs. So like it, be, it it's, 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 it's <laughs> we can do it. We just have to like really see that, you know, it doesn't have to be like, we're going to be a huge switch from like being chill and laid back. Um, and everyone's yeah. just going to be mad, you know, there, there can be a balance to it. We just have to think it through and just, create those just create those um you know those pockets where people can help themselves ultimately Mm. yeah yeah for sure and that's what you're trying to do with Carrie so do you want to tell us a little bit more about how you're trying to position Carrie so that it can it can help to solve some of these problems for the region and beyond yeah sure um, so ultimately, Carry is um, an ID platform, and from the work that we've done with ADAF, which is the African uh, Digital Assets um, Framework, uh, we did mm-hmm. the SSI standard for for you know around that. So, which with self sovereign SSI means self sovereign identity, and what that means is that the data that say the government creates on you or um, all the information that's out there that you might share. So, example, you filled out um, a form at the doctor's office, and you've gotten back some <clears throat> you've gotten back some uh, medical records. Um, you know, right now it just sits in the doctor's office. You don't really have a copy of that. Mm. You can request a copy of it, um, but it's you know you have to request it. Um, so what we're what we're looking at is saying, okay, um, every time say government generates a piece of information on you or even issues you, um, well, this is probably a better example. Um, government issues you a, a license. You now currently get a physical, a physical card that you carry around. Um, mm. Whenever you go to prove, say, how old you are, you present your license. Um, <clears throat> you can do that. Um, but there are a lot of things that you might do say online that you need to prove that you need to send them a copy of your license. And then, you know, someone can easily, easily swap that, you know, swipe it and use that as, as their own. Um, so what we're proposing is, you know, a digital copy of uh, a lot of these IDs that you may have. So government issues, your license, um, you can still have the physical card, but you can now digitally prove who you are, um, online. So I can say, well, a company can now verify my credentials by sending a request, say, to the DM, you know, to whatever the the license, the license issue is, and then they can just get a, a piece of information back saying, yes, I am who I am. I say I am. Um, the information is valid um, without me having to now send them a bunch of other information. It can easily be done digitally um, a lot faster. Um, mm. So that's what we're trying to do. So the ID piece um, is core to a lot of this. Um, other areas this can be applicable too is as a company, I can register my company um, and all the records that um, that are out there on my company. Say, if I'm a you know I'm a I'm a shop, I need to now get some 
I need, okay, I need to now ship out some goods to my customers, say, in Trinidad. Um, right now, we know the paperwork for that is a lot. Um, so we're mm. looking at those where you can say, okay, how do we, how can we simplify this process um, to, to get that going? So um, whether it's, you know, say I need to now get uh, verified by some standards board to make sure that the produce that I'm shipping out is, is ready to, to now go into another country. Um, there are results that I get back. Um, if we can digitize that, that can be a lot simpler. So now when my goods gets to Trinidad, they can see a digital record that this is safe to be imported. Um, here are all the records of the, the, you know, the company that sent it to us. Um, and they, you know, they can always have access to that. So now you can track a lot of things that are normally paper-based. Um, so yeah, we're looking at ways that we can digitize the information. It can be a lot more useful to, um, to a company. And we can do a lot more once it's digital. When it's on paper, it's in one place. Um, you can send, send copies, but you know, that becomes resource intensive over time. So yeah, I mean, I hope that gives you a, a good example of what we're trying to do with just this ID. We, um, it's, you know, you can do a lot of things with a lot of things with a simple digital ID um, that you can't with a physical one now. Uh, it's still the early stages and, you know, uh, the applications are broad, but we're trying to focus on what we can do with just simplifying the process for a citizen um, and how they interact with governments and other services. Awesome. So, uh, what? How how far along are you with with Carrie at the moment? Uh, well, we're currently building out the infrastructure for the for the digital ID piece, um, and now we're sort of looking at what we need to do if we would like to work with government to issue new IDs. So, um, would government now need to have to re? redo their systems in order to handle the new IDs, um, what sort of infrastructure they'll have to uh, put in place, what sort of policies they would have to do around personal personal data, because once you are now sharing information in a digital environment, you need to have laws that protect the you know your data. Um, so we're sort of assessing that. We're talking to um, multiple governments now of like where their pain points are. Um, mm. I mean, even here in Bel in um, well in Bulgaria, we had this <laughs> conversation with someone where um, they have a semi-digital ID where there is a smart chip on there with some information, but at the end, you're still you still have to write down the information that you have on the card even after you scan it. So oh you know this is sort of applicable to not only the Caribbean but to other places around the world. Um, mm. And if we could address that, then it makes it a lot simpler for a lot of these interactions to happen. Yeah. Meanwhile, over here in China, we're like in year 2050 already <laughs> with our technology. <laughs> yeah. Oh we, my gosh. You know, like it, they see the value in digitizing it and they understand like you have a lot, a large population and being able to manage that um, it, it comes with a, a, a lot of challenges. So they're leveraging technology to make that process a lot simpler um, and at scale. So, you know, imagine having to deal with paperwork for billions of people. That is insane, you know? 
So yeah. they've seen the value in technology. They're like, okay, we can simplify this greatly if we just utilize technology that offer us to like ID people. Um, you have a digital ID. Like I can transact with a small shop on the street without having to exchange cash. Um, you know, it also makes the management uh, a lot easier for someone who's on a, on the street who needs to like handle money while you're handling food. You know, it simplifies that process. Like small small things like those when you utilize technology can have, you know, very large, have, have a large impact overall once you really plan out how you're going to implement them and, you know, you get people to buy into what you're doing with technology. Um, and yeah. technology, this kind of technology improves, improves lives in third world countries. Like you said, the little man on the street who's, who's a hustler, he does everything on his phone. He can receive payments on his phone for for selling whatever it is that he's selling. I mean, it just, it's such a convenient way to live. I mean, here I do everything on my phone. So I either, I mean, everything with my phone. I, I don't know, it was the last time I left home with a wallet. I don't use cash. Everywhere I go, I either scan my face or my finger <laughs> or a barcode. It's just life, you know, everything is on an app. I order food on an app. I order clothes on an app, shoes, like everything is completely digital. Going on the Metro, I've got the Metro scanner on my phone. It's just 100% digital everywhere all the time. It's great. <laughs> I mean, some would argue, some would argue if you're in Europe, the Europeans have their their own concerns with data protection and the Americans have theirs as well and so on and so forth. And, you know, everyone has their sensitivity around data, but I mean, I don't know, for me, it's, it's fine. So something's yeah. got and, to give, right? You know, yeah. And it's, it's a conversation that, you know, a lot of us have, um, like who controls the data that they collect on you and so on. Um, and just being able to have that discussion is like the first step. So, mm. um, you know, some countries are open to it. Um, some rather not have that conversation at all. And then, you know, some interesting things can happen. Um, so, yeah, like yeah. educating on what's possible and, you know, having them as part of the having them join the conversation can, um, you know, lead to some some amazing things. Uh, but we have to start that conversation. So. Yes, that's so important. Thanks for saying that. That's such a good point. You have to start the conversation and, and see how it goes. Engage and, and let the conversations evolve and let things happen organically. But if you're not starting that conversation and you're just saying we don't even want to be a part of it, then, I mean, it's it's ridiculous in this day and age to not want to be a part of the technological conversation. You have to, you have to be a part of it. It's just every country, I guess, has got to decide how they're going to use that technology. Fine, China might be... For some people, an extreme whatever example, but the whole world doesn't have to to be China. You know, everybody's got to decide how they want to use technology. Yeah, exactly. you know, exactly. For me personally, I love it because I, I it just works for me. I I have no qualms with it. I I know my data is somewhere, but you know, I'm just an expat minding my own business, abiding by the laws. So hey. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, I, it works for me. It's fine. I think everybody's different. I'm not paranoid. I don't, I don't feel like, you know, big data is somewhere out there and someone's going to try to, I mean, you hear all these stories of what could potentially go wrong, but again, I'm an expat. 
And I realize that puts me in a very different position and a privileged position as well. I'm sure if you speak to a local person here, they might, they may or may not tell you something completely different. So I can only speak from my perspective and for me it works. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, there you go. I mean, I, I've benefited a lot from technology. I, you know, I, I get to see the good and the bad side uh, of yeah. it. So, you know, <laughs> creating it myself sometimes you're like, oh, well, do we really want that? Um, you know, in some situations it works, and some it just doesn't. Um, and you know, we 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 talk to a lot of people, and then they they tend to sort of dismiss technology as magic, as you know, like well, I don't understand how it works, but I utilize it, I benefit from it. Um, and then you just have some who are just like, I don't want to touch it at all. Um, mm. So mm. it's a very interesting thing. Like if you're able to make it. Um, you know, interesting enough where people can buy into it and they see the value, then they'll utilize it. Um, you know, we talk about Facebook and utilizing our data every day, but it doesn't really stop people from sharing, you know? So mm. when you think that versus what China's doing, it's not a huge difference in what's, uh, <clears throat> what's, really, what's really going on when you look at, when you really observe it. So, um, it again it just it just depends on how involved you are and you want to see you know you you want to understand how it works you want to understand how it affects you um you know and it, it's one of those things are like <clears throat> politics it affects all of us but if you want to engage in that conversation uh it could it could be good or it could be bad um so yeah it just depends mm. on how much we want to pay attention to it and um how we go about utilizing it. I think also something very important that people need to accept and understand, accept first and then understand technology is a tool and it's all in how you use it. You know, I, I use Twitter, right? But I don't let Twitter use me. So for example, there are people who, and this is just a random example, but it's to emphasize the point. There's some people who go onto Twitter and they, they feel the desire to get involved in every conversation, every debate, every Twitter fight, you know, like they're just in everything constantly. It's just like constant Twitter war wherever you go. And that's how they choose to engage with Twitter. Okay, fine. But then there's other people like myself who go onto Twitter and they use it specifically to find news. I, I look for certain hashtags. I go on there, I find out what's going on in the world. I have key people that I follow, you know, who understand, who give proper analysis. I may or may not tweet once in a while. I may retweet something, but I know what I'm going for. I get my information and then I leave and that's it. So it's the same thing with any other kind of technology. It's all in how you choose to use it. So you can't just dismiss technology all the time as, oh, it's a waste of time. And oh, it's this and oh, it's that. It, there's a way to use it. But if you're not educated on how it can be useful to you, then how can you make that decision? You know? Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, based on all of that, <laughs> that's, that's what we're trying to, to change the change the conversation around and um, get people to really think of, you know, technology as a tool as opposed to this magical uh, thing that's off on the side and we don't really know how it works. Um, or it's ruining but- our lives. No, it's not. You're choosing to be on it all day. You don't have to be on technology all day. You can move away from it too. You know, it's all choice. It's all choice. 
Exactly, exactly. I mean, for me, like, I still think that personally we're at the early stages of um, what technology can do. And, you know, we, we haven't all understood what it can do. You know, I personally see it as, you know, technology will eventually recede into the background. It's not going to be the main focus. Like, we're, it's still novel. It's still, you know, it's fascinating to a lot. And it's, it, 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 it's, it's still front and center. But, you know, as we get it, understand it, we better learn how it can be utilized. It will just fade to the background. You know, we'll, we'll start focusing again on, you know, on people and people will be, the center. I mean, I'm not saying it's not that now, but right now I see us conforming to technology and not really technology conforming to us fully just yet. So mm. that's just a person, that's just a side take, you know, on it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think we just, we've really got to, to get up to speed on, on the digital transformation conversation. And I think, uh, I think we'll all agree that the, you know, certain parts of the African continent are also way ahead of the Caribbean region when it comes to uh, digital payments. We had that conversation as well. So I think people who are listening in from the Caribbean will be educated on what's happening in on the African continent and listeners on the African continent will be educated on what's happening in the Caribbean. And I think both sides may be equally surprised, you know, so that's good Absolutely. too. It's very, very Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Yeah. And before we wrap up this conversation, would you like to tell us a bit more about ADAF? Is it ADAF and what you're doing with them and what that is exactly? Okay. Um, so, yeah, ADAF, um, the African Digital Assets Framework. Um, it was started by a buddy of mine, um, associate of mine, um, Marvin Colby. And they wanted to focus on, you know, how blockchain can be beneficial to a lot of the things that we do. Um, you know, looking at areas that they can um, be applied to make life easier, whether that's uh, that's trade, um, currency, um, identification, and so on. So, as I mentioned earlier, I've you know I assisted with the the SSI standard around digital identity. Um, and they're just looking at creating standards for people to better understand how to like how to assess technology, what value they can bring to your lives. Um, and also how to, to spot when, you know, something is too good to be true. So, um, mm. say someone creates a cryptocurrency and, you know, they're, telling you a lovely story that you can, you know, buy all these great things with it. But at the end, they really don't have that currency. It's just, you know, I mean, a lot of people have been taken advantage of with certain scams. One of the large ones being OneCoin, um, where they were just telling people, okay, you invest this much money and you'll get this, you know, oversized return. Um, they were able to raise billions of dollars, um, over time and after I believe four to five years the founder completely disappeared no one knows where she disappeared to and everyone wow. was just um, you know without their money there are people who sort of mortgage their house to like <laughs> invest in this thing 
Um, so yeah, we were looking at problems like those of like, how do you make um, people understand what these technologies are capable of? Um, you know, educating them around it and just showing them, um, you know, both the the good and the bad of what could potentially happen. So it's really around educating whether it's um, uh, government officials, uh, citizens who want to be, you know, more informed about these things. Um, yeah, so we're just creating these uh, standards for them where we can share and just educate people on what's going on in the technology space. And that's really important. People need to have access to information, especially those who are living in democracies. They need to understand and have access to information and know what they're working with and be able to make informed decisions. Because the last thing we want is people living in a democracy and, and still absolutely clueless about what's going on. It's like, what's the point then, right? <laughs> and there's yeah. so much of that. Um, yeah, I mean, you want participation, but you also want smart participation. You don't want to exactly. view that. Exactly. You don't want a few that yes. will take advantage of uh, those who don't know what's going on. So, And this this is the conversation I have with people about, and this is a completely separate thing that we won't go into, about democracy. Democracy, I think, works really well when you have a highly educated group of people who are well-informed. There's no point in having a million people and giving them an opportunity to vote and everything else when they're completely ignorant. That is not effective. That is not effective. It's just pointless. <laughs> you know, it's pointless just to be able to say, oh, we have a democracy. What does that even mean if if all of the if majority of the people are uneducated and they're making poor decisions? So it's really important for people to be aware. And that's I think education is a key pillar for digital transformation. I think if you want to have a highly digital society, your populace has to be extremely well informed. So that's an excellent initiative. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what we're you know we'll be we'll be working on, and um, you know we're still working. It's it's a nonprofit, so we sort of volunteer our time to to build these things out, um, and it, it mm -hmm. helps because if we're if we're building out technology around these, it helps that people understand how they function and yeah um, yeah you know like how they will sort of utilize the said technology. So it's. It works for us as we educate them, um, and now they're also able to assess these tools that can be utilized in their lives to make it better. So is there like a long-term girl, like a 2030 mission, or to have like this amount of, you know, people like educated or signed up for something, or is it just for now, like a general, you just have a general sort of mission? Uh, we just have a general mission. We don't necessarily have uh, milestones that we want to hit, like right. particular milestones. Right, right. Uh, right. I think we we sort of build a lot of these standards based on what technology is sort of coming up. So blockchain is one mm -hmm. now, so we do it around that. Um, and as I said, it, it, it's fun. It's focused around digital, you know, digital assets. So like, how, <clears throat> for example, you know. We have physical assets, whether it's money, property, and so on, and we're going through a phase where a lot of that can be digitized. So um, another example is I have a company, and now I can have um, multiple investors from around the world part of that company. Um, you know, Before you had stocks where it's paper-based, you had to be in the same country. There are regulations around those depending on what mm -hmm. country you're in. 
Um, but with digital assets, anyone from around the world can now become, you know, a stakeholder in your company that they believe in what you're doing. Uh, so right. it, it opens up a lot of um, possibilities, um, you know, both good and bad. <laughs> so um, having people knowledgeable about, you know, what you can do with it, what you can't do with it is very important. Mm, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Wonderful. You are very busy, Kenroy. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I need to start focusing, but, um, you Kenroy, know, I mean, you're it, busy it, changing it, the world. <laughs> Seriously, take a minute. You are just take a minute to like imbibe what I've just said. You are busy changing the world. Well done to you. Good for you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're doing a lot. You're doing a lot. That's really good. It's excellent. <laughs> And uh, I hope even from these conversations, people, the younger generations as well, hopefully we get some younger people listening in and they are inspired to do things as well because we need younger people. We need people in secondary schools to be involved in technology and in these projects because they're the next generation. So they need to pick up the mantle and they need to decide what kind of future they want and how they want to use technology, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, so hopefully we can uh, inspire some young, <laughs> some younger generations to, to really get into it. I mean, it's it's um, it's a fun journey. Um, technology is amazing. What we've achieved over the last twenty years is astounding. So um, I really hope that we can do a lot more in the future once we sort of think about where we're focusing our energies. You know, if it's if we're focusing on the right things and. Um, having a conversation around that and what, you know, becoming part of this because a lot of people think they don't have a say in where technology goes, but mm. we do because we, we sort of, we vote with our attention. So where we put our attention is really what people are going to focus on and continue to focus on. Um, and if we're able to say or take a step back and say, well, you know what, we do have a say in how it goes, then we will feel better, well, one, we'll feel better about, you know, knowing that we can do that. Um, and the things that we say, well, we don't have control of, now we can say, well, yes, we do have control and we, we can change the direction in which the world is going um, and have a voice. So, you know, technology both gives us a voice, but, you know, it gives everyone a voice, which could be good or bad. Um, but once it's focused on, you know, particular things, then we can do a lot with that. And just getting yeah. people involved is it's amazing. And as you said, democracy is it's, it's an amazing thing. Um, but we need to make sure that people understand what they're getting involved in and how they're able to, you know, participate in in the appropriate ways. <laughs> yeah, understand the tools, understand how to use the tools, and then decide whether you want to use them or how you want to use them. So, um, yeah, fantastic. Well, this was a great, 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 great chat. And I hope that everyone listens in and they enjoy the conversations that we had. And where can people find you, Kenroy, if they want to reach out to you? <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Kenjio, K-E-N-G-E-O. Okay. Are you one of those uh, people misbehaving on Twitter? Do you misbehave on Twitter? Are you in like Twitter wars? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I I'm really kidding. wasn't I'm a Twitter. Kidding. You know, 
I really was into Twitter uh, a couple of years ago, but then I took a break from it. But I'm still on there. I check in once in a while, and you know you can find me on there. And or so you tell can us, tell us, thing. tell it, tell it to us one more time. I'm sorry. What's your Twitter handle? It's uh, Kengio, K-E-N-G-E-O. Okay, Kengio. Okay, awesome. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, brilliant. And a website for Carrie? Is there a website yet for Carrie that you'd like to give out? Yes, it's uh, C-A-R-I dot G-D. So it's Carrie dot G-D. So okay, you can get awesome. more information so, on there. And uh, you can always fill out the form and then we'll reach out to you. Okay, great. All right, folks. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and do listen into the series. And please... Don't hesitate to reach out to Kenroy or reach out to myself. Give us feedback, engage in conversation, educate yourself, transform digitally. All right. That's the point. Any closing words? Uh, I mean, it, was, it, was, it was a great conversation. Thanks for having me on, Joanne. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. It was great to work on this project with you. So I hope this inspires more people to do some collaborative podcasts as well, because they're really cool. Okay. All right, guys. Bye for now. All right. Bye, guys.